Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on Sarto Board Games. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 319. Hey, Albert, what do you get if I take your icicle and add it to my icicle? Two icicles? No, a paracle. <laughs> a paracle. Ah, yes. <laughs> Hey, Julius, that was actually good. Well done. Thank you. Thank you, Albert. <laughs> and you made that one up? Yes, of course nice. I did, because it's a dis- direct reference to today's game, Paracle. Yeah, not a word that comes up in conversation often enough to <laughs> Probably to not. Used. No. <laughs> well, hi, everyone. Welcome. Welcome back. Julius already said today's game is Paracle, which is a, a big, big game. It's dauntingly huge. It really is. There's a lot to it. Um, and I will tell you right off the bat, I did not get through all of it. And I mean, it's sorry. <laughs> it's just a lot to get through. Um, this is a, a role-playing game. Um, you could compare it to uh, you could compare it to Gloomhaven, for example. Um, it's, it's a big fantasy game with a lot of story and stuff. And apparently it has been compared to Gloomhaven by others because of the way the combat works. But I would say it's probably not really that much like Gloomhaven, there's definitely huge differences. So, but that's the kind of game you're getting. This is a fantasy game where you're moving figures in a map and exploring, and it's it's really more like D and D than anything else. I would say almost. Well, D and D usually requires you know someone else to role play along with. So, is this a solo RPG or a game? It is a board game with an RPG component that is controlled by a an app. So it's an app-driven game. I see. So I mean, so so that was my summary of the game already, I guess, right? So let's uh let's jump into the components. It's a big box. It's heavy. I I'm not exactly sure Just the size, but yeah. When you say big and heavy, I don't really think you are conveying the size appropriately of this massive box. Well, I mean, no, it's. I don't think it's that that huge. Actually, I think it's probably about the size of a mage knight. I don't think it's much bigger than that. Okay. Which is, I mean, it's a big box, but it's it's not massive. I suppose. It's not a Gloomhaven big, right? It's it's not a suitcase that you could put your wardrobe in when you travel, sort of big. Looks bigger to me, but okay. <laughs> Does it? Okay, yeah. But I mean, it, it is, it's a hefty size. It's a big box. It's heavy. And it's heavy because there are a lot of boards in this box. Actually, it's mostly boards. It's something like 35 double-sided boards in the box. You know, made of thick cardstock, made out of like board material. So <laughs> that's the vast majority of what's in the box. The most of the boards are single, single piece boards, maps. Some of them, about five or so of them, are uh, two pieces that you put together with puzzle locking thing. So some maps are a little bit bigger, some are smaller. So basically, they made a map for each different scenario. And and as you're playing, you're going to revisit these different maps. I don't know. I assume that each map gets used only once in the story. I don't know if that's true or not. If that's the case, that seems kind of crazy. <laughs> but I haven't really... I mean, I haven't reused them for different locations. I have reused a couple maps when I've revisited a place. So that is the, the first component you're going to get in the box. What else do you get? The There's about 75... There's exactly 75 plastic miniatures in the box. I think it's exactly 75. Um, they're acrylic. Sort of like a, a plexiglass or something, the little shaped miniatures with color pictures on them and acrylic stands. So they're really nice looking. 
um, I think these are exciting because I could potentially use them for other games and whatnot. They are relatively generic, so they're pretty reusable. Like there's zombies and there's maybe dragons and stuff like that. And then there's a bunch of different hero figures. One minor annoyance about them, I guess, the figures, because they're plexiglass. I don't know if they're plexiglass or acrylic. I'll probably call them they're acrylic. They're acrylic. acrylic. Okay. They they have a protective film on them, right? So they come. When I first got it, I didn't realize it was a protective film. I thought the back of the of the figure was just sort of frosted and the front was clear. Except it was weird because it was actually the other way around. The back was very clear and the front was frosted. And I, I thought that was strange. And eventually I realized, oh, wait a minute. This is a film. And I, I peeled it off and, wow, it looks really nice now. Um, nothing in the rules that I found told me that it was protected and I should peel them off. And so I could see somebody playing with it and never realizing it. And also, it's really hard to get them off. It, it's, it's slow, tedious. So I'm basically, as a new figure gets used, I will peel it then. It's, it's frustrating to do it ahead of time. because At least for me, it'll take a while. I'm pretty familiar with that particular thing from dealing with other acrylics. Because a lot of, a lot of acrylic things have that protective sheet on them, especially the ones that have printing on them. So I, I'm, I'm familiar with that. I, I know it's there. Um, in fact, I, recently my wife ordered something acrylic and used it for a long time. I'm like, do you like it with the look of the sheet? She's like, what sheet? <laughs> See? So I'm, I'm aware it's an issue, but I'm at least familiar with it to know that it's a thing you need to do. Oh, okay. I had no idea. It hadn't occurred to me. I hadn't really gotten a game with it. And you know, in hindsight, I have gotten acrylic things that came covered on one side, like um, ordered things from Etsy, like uh, maybe a life tracker for Arkham Horror, that sort of thing. And it, it didn't dawn on me for a while. But either way, I mean, not a huge deal. Figured it out. I think it was clever that they have the back unprotected, not the front. So that it was kind of, that's what really keyed it off for me. It's like, this is kind of weird that the back is clear, not the front. You know, and so so that helped a lot. Um, There are backs and fronts, so it's got painting on both sides, I guess. And that's for a reason, because there is, as you're playing the game, the creatures and the characters will have a facing during combat. Besides that, you get a, a pad of character sheets. I said this game is a lot like D&D in a way, right? You make a character, you come up with a name, you choose the attributes that you have for it, you distribute the points around, you pick weapons that you want to start with, and spells and all that. As you're playing, you will level your characters up and choose how you want to raise your experience points and all that. And I know a lot of other board games do that, but this Maybe it's just because it's in a character sheet. I don't know, but it sure feels a lot more like D&D or something. It reminds me of that sort of experience. So I really enjoy that. Besides the pad of character sheets, and these are colored character sheets, double-sided, there's also six pre-generated characters. They each come in their own two-pocket folder, which is kind of a neat, fancy touch, but also kind of pointless because you don't need the folders for anything. You don't... Like, I will keep the one sheet in the folder, but that's basically it. So it's, that feels like overkill. Actually... There's three copies of each character because when you start the game, like it'll have you start with the level zero version and you go through some training scenarios and then you, you advance to level one so you could introduce some new mechanics and then it goes to the standard version, which is the one you actually play the game with later. And that's the one that you then will start leveling up once you've passed the tutorial. But again, it's it's a it's a lot for, for just that. Six, six fancy folders each you know with a picture of the character that's inside on the in the front and big big picture the characters are you know, all different more or less standard types not exactly i felt like they weren't quite your normal generic character classes 
even though the the names and titles are. And I think it's because of the way the mechanics work, which we'll get into more. Custom dice. I think it's about two sets of custom dice. They some nice D4s, like the Q Workshop dice. They're these rounded Q4s. They're sort of like two sides. You know what I'm talking about, Julius? They're like oh, I do. I actually really like those that type of D4. Yeah. It's much better than any other type. The little caltrops, yeah. I, yeah, so it has those. They're great dice. I like those a lot. So it has a few of those. It has a bunch of D10s and stuff, and they, they have different custom images on them um, for when you're doing skill checks and stuff. Um, there's a few handouts that you can unlock as you're playing. They come with a little uh, sticker seal on it, so it'll tell you, you know, go ahead and open handout number three. And take off the sticker, and you marvel at that. <clears throat> There's a couple books in the box, a rule book and a hero handbook. They're each about 40 pages. They've got a glossy cardstock cover and colored pages inside, kind of glossy paper. They have some artwork inside. There's examples inside that are actual photographs of the boards and stuff to show you what's going on. You know, like maybe a photograph with some... When it's talking about line of sight, for example, it'll it'll show you a photograph and draw the line so you can see what they're talking about when they talk about line of sight. So I think that it did a good job with the examples. The rule book has all the basic rules to play the game. The hero handbook has instructions on how to make your own custom character if you don't want to use one of the pre-gens. It tells you about uh, the different spells, the different weapons. It gives you different weapon tables and the cost if you want to buy weapons and stuff like that. Uh, the different skills you could get and how they work and, and what. It's basically how, how to level up. I mean, I guess you could compare it to a player handbook and a DM's handbook, sort of, kind of, but not really. My only real, comp- well, yeah, my only real complaint about the handbooks is that when I'm holding it and I'm flipping through it, I tend to to fold it or hold it such that the, the, covers, the back cover is creasing as I'm flipping through the pages. So it's developed a pretty big crease, which... You know, detracts from its nice shininess, but it's still quite functional in that sense. You can, if you really want, buy a hardcover version of these books. They do sell those separately. And is there any particular reason why you're holding the cover that way to cause the crease? Or in hindsight, knowing that it would do that, would you have not done it? I keep doing it anyway, even though I know it and I'm feeling it as I'm creasing it again. Saying, oh, there, I'm going doing it again. So it's, I guess it's just the way I use it. I fl- a, a lot of times as I'm playing, I have to reference it because I'm confused about a rule and I want to remember how it works. It's a, it's a sort of game where there aren't tons and tons of rules, but there are a few different like special cases here and there that you have to refer to. And if they don't come up often or if you aren't playing very, very regularly, I think it's easy to forget. Just like, you know, like D&D has all these extra rules you don't use all the time. Sure. Sort of like that. Just nowhere near as much. But there's stuff like that. Like the line of sight doesn't come up every time. So when it does come up, I may need to flip to the book and look at it. Or, hey, what's that bonus when you're attacking from behind again? Let me let me look it up. That sort of thing. And I think it comes up because sometimes there are, is a, a lack of clarity as you're playing. And you kind of have to make judgment calls. So I think that that is why I was going back and flipping. The other reason you flip is when you're advancing your character, you kind of need to go through that player handbook to, to look up the different weapons or skills and whatnot. So... <clears throat> I guess if I had a much bigger table, I would just lay it in front of me and flip the pages instead of holding it in front of my hands. hands. So that was that component. Is there any more? The last component would be the, and it's not in the box, it's the app, the Loremaster app that you play the game with. It's the one that controls the adventure and tells you what's going on. It it acts as the DM, basically. 
so it includes a link to that or you know the url for that in the book for it's not available like if you look there for the website and whatever you won't find it i guess they don't want to share with people so you have to get the game and then you can see the app because once you once you have it anybody could log in and start playing and you could pretty much play the game without just just without doing the combat on a map i guess and that would work anyway that was pretty much all the components i i think did i leave out anything like some cubes and stuff like that. Anything else I left out? Oh, reference card. There's a reference card for each player. Any any questions about the components? Any other questions, Julius? No. Nope. Okay. Theme. Uh, what do I think about the theme? I think the theme comes across pretty well, right? You are in a fantasy setting. It's It sort of feels like ancient Rome in a way, but it, it isn't. And it's clearly it isn't because it's fantasy setting and whatnot. And it's not Rome. The places have different names, but you start in a Colosseum and, and just to me, it just feels like ancient Rome. Others may disagree. I think my son said it didn't to him so much. And I mean, he's the expert. He has read a lot of uh, Rick Riordan books. So he knows way more about <laughs> ancient Rome than I do. That's a little funny. <laughs> yeah. I also don't know how accurate those books are, but sure. <laughs> you know, cl- probably close enough. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, so I, I do think that the theme works pretty well. And the app is has a, a flavor text. As you're playing the app, and I get, I'll get a little more into it later, it will show videos and different cutscenes that are animated with a narration and whatnot. There's music playing. There's art in it. So it feels it feels pretty thematic. That's it. For, yeah, I guess that's always really fast. The theme isn't usually a very long section, is it? How we also can talk about how well the theme comes across with them, and I do think I mean based on what it is that I'm looking at, it looks like the theme is relatively well conveyed. Is that still accurate? Yeah, yeah, I'd say that's accurate. I definitely get the theme coming across. It feels like a fantasy setting. Yeah, I, I'd never feel like I haven't come across anything that made me think, oh, this this is doesn't make sense. No. You know, something I just noticed from one of the pictures that I don't think you mentioned about components, the bases of the acrylic standees are actually hexes and not circles. Yes, they're all hexes to fit exactly on the hex space. Oh, that's um, nice. The maps are hexes, yes, so they, they fit perfectly. Yeah, I mean, you know, these figures are pretty decent. You could use them for all other games and whatnot, I think. They would work really well. Like, there's a another game that's a miniatures RPG that's solo or cooperative that I've been wanting to play forever. Uh, like tactical combat sort of thing. Um, and I didn't have the figures, and now I'm thinking, yeah, these would be perfect for that game. So I'm all set for that. So the rules. I already mentioned the rules when I mentioned the components, right? They're clear. I found them clear and easy to follow. Lots of examples throughout, lots of color. It It's not too dense. Paragraphs, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of text, but it doesn't feel overcrowded and super dense. And it's really not a complicated game. It's just they're very, not. I want to say very many, but I don't think that's really accurate. I think that there's enough exceptions to the rules and, and special cases and stuff that, that I find I need to reference a book often. I already mentioned the issue with the bending. I, I like how the handbook, the hero handbook and the rules handbook are separated. That That's handy because two different people could be reading at the same time. So that really does help out a lot. Not everything in the rulebook applies at first. I wrote this down. The Also, you don't really need the rulebook at first because when you go play, that Loremaster app does include a tutorial that will walk you through it anyway. 
And as you, as as your plan will say, do you want a tutorial or do you want to just go into the next section? So you could just wait and use the tutorial. And if you're playing multiplayer, and I should say I did play all this with my son. It was all two players instead of solo, but it is effectively going to be the same. And as a matter of fact, with a two player game, you, they they really tell you you need at least three characters. So we we're controlling an extra character anyway. So it's never a true solo sort of thing. It'll ask you if you want to do the tutorial or if you just want to jump into the, the next section. And if you're playing multiple players, you probably just want to do the tutorial. If you're doing solo and if you've already read it, you don't need it, but it's still handy. And not to, it goes quick enough. That's not a problem. So then the gameplay. I mean, the game's play starts with getting your characters ready, right? Either you're going to pick a pre-gen or make your own. It's definitely much easier to just take one of their pre-gen characters from the beginning and then go through the tutorial. Uh, if you're making your own, you're going to have to spend more time. You're going to need to understand all those rules first because if you're, if you're making a character with spells, you're going to want to understand how the spells work and how the combat works because they're going to affect the combat and whatnot. So so it's definitely a slower process. I would recommend just using the pre-gens from the beginning, picking one that you like and, and going with that. And then later on, they even say... If, once you've gone through the tutorial, the introductory levels where they, they teach you how the basic combat works and have you do a couple of basic fights, they say, if you want to now make your own character, this is the right time to do it. And they warn you ahead of time. They said, you know, we're going to give you a chance in a little while to switch to your own character if that's what you want. So they, they set you up for that. I just went with the pre-gens and kept that. Didn't wasn't inclined to make a new character. Part In part because of the podcast. I think, I guess I think in hindsight, if I really... We're gonna play this long, long term. I would have probably made a different character because the one I picked, I like it, but it's not exactly what I wanted. It's not exactly what I was looking for. So that's the first step. You're gonna make your characters or choose your characters. Once you're done, go to the website, log in. Somebody's gonna log in with an account and start your campaign. I believe you could have multiple campaigns going at once. I have not tried that. Do they interact in the same world like it does in Gloomhaven? What do you mean? I don't know. Well, in Gloomhaven, if you have multiple campaigns going at once and one of them unlocks a thing, the other ones can also go oh. to that unlock or if it does a tag that would cause an unlock somewhere else, it applies. So you can sometimes have interactions between the different groups that are running in the same world. That's neat. No, I do not believe so. I don't think it does that. Um, I, I did not play enough to have an experience with that. I did start a second campaign, but actually that was separately on my own account, which is a bit of not, not the brightest idea, but I did that because we had been playing on my son's computer and then he was using it for schoolwork or something one day and I wanted to play some more, you know, just, just to get more experience for the podcast. So I started on my computer, started the account, skipped through all the scenes that we had already done, got to the next fight and sort of thing, went through a couple more scenes. And then the next time we played, we on his computer, we had to skip a few scenes. <laughs> not Not the best way to play, but, you know, whatever it works. When, once you're playing, the the actual gameplay consists a lot of reading along with a story that's displayed on the computer. It, it'll tell you what's going on, where you're at, a lot of flavor text and that sort of thing. And occasionally, or often, it'll it'll have you do a skill check or choose from a number of prompts. Like, you know, oh, this person's here and they're looking aggressive. Do you, do you want to confront them? Do you want to go hide? Or do you want to do this? And you choose which one you want, and then the story continues from there. So, so you have choices to make. Other times it'll be make a, like I said, make a skill check. In that case, you roll some dice against whichever appropriate skill it is that you need to roll. And if you succeed, it'll say like 
did at least one person succeed? If you say yes, then it goes on. Sometimes they'll tell you if anybody failed, then like if you're sneaking around, if anybody failed sneaking, then you guys are all caught. So so there's things like that. I know Ashy, and depending on, on how your roles and whatnot go, then the story continues. There's also occasionally then there's a fight some happens and you and you have to fight so now it switches you to the map it will it will show you a, a setup map it'll tell you which board to use you find the board you pull it out it tells you which figures to use so you find the correct figures you put them on the board where it tells you and then you you do the combat the the app will actually handle all the enemies for you you position yourself on the map it tells you where to position the enemies as you're playing, it'll roll for the initiative, tells you whose turn it is to move. When the enemies have to move, it'll tell you how they move. You could uh, apply conditions to them. So, if, for example, you cast a spell that makes somebody drop their weapon. On, on the specific enemy, you say their weapon is dropped, and on their turn, they will spend it picking up their weapon. They'll decide. So it's pretty smart about how they act. It'll tell you if they're moving, it'll tell you, you know, oh, Go to the nearest enemy or go to the farthest enemy, whatever that specific character wants to do as a strategy. And if there's a tie, then it gives you a second choice. You know, pick the one that's weakest or pick the one that's strongest and so on. So you go through until you get a specific target. So it'll handle all that. It'll tell you if they're casting spells. It tracks their... Well, it sort of tracks their health. When you're playing now on your side, when you're playing your characters, you, you're rolling dice. You're tracking your damage on paper. So if they hit you for three points... You have to mark three points on your character sheet. When you attack them, you roll your dice, and it tells you if, if you did three points of damage on them, you subtract three points of, from them on the app. Once they die, then they're removed, and they're no longer in combat. So it does, it does a pretty good job of managing that combat. I Yeah, I thought I thought that worked pretty well. The You are able to step back and forth if you make a mistake here and there, so, so you could do that. I don't know if you could go too far or not. I never tried that, but that also felt like cheating. Um, there, there's things like you could add, um, if you cast a spell for a familiar or, or a creature, you could add creatures into the board on your side, or the AI may add creatures on the board and they will put them on. And now they're also taking their turns in the correct order and whatnot. The, and, and as you're playing, the app will save your progress. So if you pause, you know, you want to take a lunch break, or if you want to stop for the day and continue next week. You know, you shut it down. When you come back next week, it'll be wherever it left off, which is pretty neat. So I think I think that covers it for gameplay. Basically, like I said, you're interacting with the app, uh, reading along and following prompts, and occasionally switching to the map and then going back to the computer. Actually, I would say maybe half the time is on playing on the map and half the time is just reading through the story and interacting on, on the app. So it is a surprising amount of time that is actually not on, on on a physical board. At least I was surprised by that. So so I think that will cover for how the game works. I'm not. I don't think there's any need to get into detail about how the dice rolls work necessarily. They're dice and that kind of stuff. You know, it's 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 nothing nothing terribly surprising. Actually, maybe I'll cover a little bit of my thoughts if I remember. Which let's jump into that next. The so the first thing about this game is I'm really enjoying it, actually. I, I'm enjoying it a lot more than I expected to. Nice. Uh, I'm having a lot of fun playing the game. The I love having my character sheet and feeling like I'm playing D&D. I, I am finding that I want to like keep going and see what happens. Last night we were playing, just again, just to, to be more ready for this podcast. 
and you know way past my bedtime i was like okay maybe we should stop because because i really need to go to bed so so there's some of that going on so i think it's it's really interesting really really fun game well the skill checks are surprisingly easy i think i'm, I'm you know it's just the way they they set it up i don't know why i think that's usual for for rpg type things i guess well so you have a you roll a die to see if you succeed a d10 right and one of the sides is a nominic failure Four of the sides have a number one, two, three, and four, and the rest are automatic successes. So really, only like four of them matter. And to me, that just—I guess—it's if it was if it was just a regular D10 with numbers, it probably would be the same. Basically, anything from one to six would be a success, and then the rest are optional, sort of thing. But it feels weird. Um, but yeah, so all all the rules are pretty simple. The the app handles the enemies really well. I like all that. There are things I don't like though. The one thing I don't like personally is how much time I'm spending on the app. I'd rather be a game that's just a board. I don't want to, like I noticed last night we were playing and we're all sitting around the screen with with my son reading the stuff out loud and doing voices for the for the story and whatnot, or occasionally click. And he's not, he's controlling the computer and we're all watching the computer. So I had to a couple of times I said, "Can you make the screen bigger because I can't read the text?" You know, it's a, it's a laptop screen and we got a crowd really close around it. I wish we had a bigger monitor at the dinner table. So that. That's a little bit of a drawback. Probably not as much of a big deal if you're playing solo, but you know, I mean, with a group of people, that'd be a problem. I think if you're still spending more time reading the computer than you are playing the game, that's still even even on solo. That feels like an issue. Are you well, playing I mean, the game? It it you are playing the game, right? You're interacting with it. You're doing stuff. You're making choices. It's just a lot of the game is digital. It's not a true board game. It's it's a hybrid half board game, half video game. Yeah, but some games that are hybrid that have apps to go with them, you still feel like you're playing the game. Like Search Planet X. The app is not where all of the action is happening. The app is just the response. Mm-hmm. Everything I'm doing, I'm doing on on the table. So right. how much of my activity is focused on the screen? If it's skewing too much into the app, and the app is most of the experience, like... <laughs> Is yeah, it? I mean, so so that is an idea for me, but but the, it works because it's a it's a DM. It's the app is acting as a DM. It's telling you everything you see. You know, when you play D and D, a lot of the game is you interacting directly with the DM and occasionally having a fight. And if you're playing with miniatures, not everybody uses miniatures, but if you are, then the fights you do on the board. But a lot of the other stuff, you know, it's he's describing what you see when you walk into the cave and telling you what's there, and you're going, okay, do I? Do I want to go inspect this or inspect that? And then he, you know, you tell him what you do and you do your roles and he tells you what happens and what you see. So that's the experience you're getting. It really does feel like like interacting with a DM. And, you know, and because you're all crowded around looking at the same screen, it's like all crowded around looking at the DM. So I think I think it does a good job of, of that experience. You just have to be aware that that's this is the game you're getting. It is it is not a, a board game. It is a hybrid game. Very, very much, I'd say 50-50. Or more than 50-50. It's more, more computer than board, because the only time really the board comes out is when you have a, a fight, and not everything is fighting. And even when you're doing the fighting, you're still using the app to control the enemies. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah, Julius is grimacing and whatnot. And yeah, I get that. It, I preferred not using the computer. Yeah. But I'm enjoying the game, so I'm putting up with it and not minding that. So, that, that is, I mean, that's definitely a choice for the listener. <laughs> the, the the buyer to decide if they want to do that or not. 
it is it, it is not a perfect app though. There's things I wish were different. Or perfect game, I would say, not even that. The sometimes when it tells you how to set up the board, it will it will describe, oh, these tiles are, are different because of this. You know, it's the sort of thing where it's like, yeah, here I'm using a board, but these spaces you could actually move. The picture doesn't necessarily look like it, but trust me, these are, these spaces actually are, are safe to move, or, or these spaces avoid because something will happen, whatever. And it's it's not always clear to me which spaces they were talking about. Sometimes a I was a little bit confused. Each board is only used once, and they couldn't find any way of indicating that on the board that is only used for this one thing. I'm assuming they're only used once. Yes, I wish I wish there was a way they had done it. Like at the very least, you know, I could click on a space and it would tell me, not not a can't be can't be you can't go to that space or, or you know you have to roll when you go. That that seems like that would be a pretty easy thing to do. It's time consuming, so I could I could get why that hasn't done because you'd have to go through every map and do that. So, but I do find that a little bit frustrating sometimes. It's it's not clear, and then you have to make a judgment call. It's, okay, well the app said this. I think this is how we should interpret it. And everybody agrees, and then you move on. So it's not a crisis, but it is once in a while it does throw you for a loop. There's a couple other places like that was not super clear. It says, um, I forget, it mentioned a door. The the enemies are by the door, but it showed three different places where there could be enemies, and I didn't clearly see a door in either one. And it was it it was semi obvious which space it was. So I, I was again, I didn't like that. If you're playing with a real DM sitting in front of you, an actual person, and you said, hey, wait, wait, which of these is the door? He would point it out and tell you. So it would, you know, there'd be no issues with that. Without the DM, you have to, uh, on your own, make that choice and assume you're you're going the right path. So, you know, not not a showstopper, but a little annoying. I get that's just, those little things do somewhat break the... Um, what, what you call it? They, they, they break the, the continuity of a feeling like I'm playing a game. It's like, wait, is, or playing with the DM. Suddenly I have to pause and think about things. Stuff that I would rather have the DM think about, honestly. There is another issue I have with it. And maybe it's not an issue. Maybe it's an expectation. It It is not a DM. You're not playing with a person. <laughs> so it is going to play like an app. Like when you play an RPG... There's certain things that happen that feel kind of cheesy that you just accept because it's an RPG. You know, like when you go to when you go to location, you're showing you're shown four choices. When you do one of them, and then you come back later, that choice is still there, and you could have the same conversation with the character again, and that feels a little weird, right? Unless it's an important thing and you finish it. Once you finished, that choice is now gone. So the next time you visit it, you only have the other three left. You've seen that in video games before, right? I mean, yeah, it, 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 it's a video game, and and it has that feel to it. it. You know, at first I was, whoa, what's going on? And once once it dawned on me that, yeah, okay, I'm playing a video game adventure, then it's smooth, and these are the things and the tropes you deal with, and you, it, it kind of helps too because it kind of gives you a clue, like, oh, I still need to do this because that option is still there, and it's obviously an important one. So, <laughs> so there is some of that. I don't love it, but it. You know, it is what it is. It's like like any other computer based video game or RPG. I don't think I have an issue with that. That I mean, that sounds like just part of the fun. Often, I mean, if you're playing a board game, I've got a couple board games where the theme is you're in a video game. Yeah, yep, I've had those two. Yeah, but yeah, I guess because I was coming in from the mindset of, well, I'm playing with a DM, and 
I, I kind of fell for it a little too much and then we had to step back and remember, oh, no, 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 it really is a video game here, whatever. So, I mean, again, n- nothing terrible. It's just something to do with. I'm still enjoying the game. Once I make these realizations, everything's fine and I move on. So really, th- that that's that's the game. I like it. I like it a lot. I'm having a lot of fun. It's not perfect. It has issues. I forgot to comment, though. One thing that surprised me was the price of it. <laughs> yeah, that's a jump back in your chair surprise, isn't it? It's $165 sold from their website. I don't know that you can find it anywhere else. I don't, yeah, I don't think you can anywhere else. No, it, it's, it's a lot of money. I don't, I don't buy games this expensive. I have no idea if that's a fair price or not. I don't, I don't know how to judge it. And, you know, I didn't say this up front, but I should. They sent me a review copy. This is not a game I bought. This is a game they said, hey, would you like to try this game? You know, and I said, sure. It sounds interesting. So they sent it to me and I've been playing and enjoying it. But I would never have bought this because I'm cheap. <laughs> Honestly, I, I don't like the idea of buying a $160 game. I don't know. I know people buy Kickstarters, you know, for $200 all the time. Okay, so fine. So I bought the Final Girl Seasons 1 and 2. That's beside the point. Yeah, I, I don't know. I wonder about the price. And <laughs> is it a good price or not? I don't know. I have played about eight hours, I'd say. And assuming each map gets used once exactly, I've probably played about a seventh of it. I think I've done about five maps. So, you know, that's a good 45, 50 hours of gameplay. That does not seem bad. But again, I don't know how, how accurate that is. Like, you know, that that's that's just making an assumption there. I have not played the entire campaign. I mean, that's still very expensive. And you get all those plastic minis that, again, are usable other stuff. So that's, those are nice. I don't, I don't know. I have no idea why the price is what it is. I don't know if that's fair or not. Um, I know I'm enjoying the game. I know I wouldn't pay 160 for a game like this or for I mean, I definitely think much. there was a lot of cost cutting that they could have done. I mean, a basic one would be many other games have a, have a binder book. Right, something like where that. Where yep. everything is a bound book instead of having a whole board for each individual piece that's used once. Again, I don't know if it's only used once. That is an assumption I'm making. I should have asked, but I don't know. That, I mean, and that is a fair question. Um, I do know that they are. They recently released uh more content for the adventure, so that. Like if you had finished it, you could go back and now and add a little bit more to it and play some more. So they're adding content. It's still being not saying completed because it's a done game, but they're they're releasing more content for it. Uh, I did ask the designer a couple of questions, and from what he tells me, they they do have other plans and stuff that they're they're thinking about and working on and stuff that they want to revisit and add to. So it sounds like you're going to get a lot more play out of it. One one thing I didn't like was that I have. I wish there's some sort of like a, a chapter sort of thing showing me where I'm at in the adventure. And there is no way. So like if I needed to jump back to something, it's impossible. And and that makes sense in, in terms of the story. But apparently once you finish it, there still isn't a way to jump back and redo a certain scene. I, th- I He said that that's something that they'll look at. Again, I don't know. And and there's other, besides that other content, they, they do want to, other things they want to do. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. That that price is is scary. But you're buying into a, a, a big game with, a, in theory, a lot of replayability. Well, no, the adventure isn't replayable. Once you've played the adventure once, right, you're done. You can replay the same adventure and, and see how it goes. 
which is a thing. I believe there is branching content. I don't know exactly what that means. So I think it might be that the the second time you play, you might see stuff you didn't the first time. But I have no idea how how involved that is. There was something else I was going to mention before you brought up the price, and I forgot what it was. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, that happens. Um, and it it might have been about the extra content stuff, honestly. I mean, the components do look nice. The acrylic pieces look nice. I find it very surprising that you cannot get their rule book to look at in advance of purchasing the game. Yeah, I don't. I don't know why. Um, that is good. You could go. You could buy the hard copy. That's a thing. It's not available to download. You'd have to. You can get it from the app. That's the only way to go get it. So. Yeah, but the app is not available until you have the rule book. Right? You don't have the URL for it. So. So. That's different than how most people have expected to do things. Yeah. This is apparently a game that the guy came up with and the family would play together and he's developed it over years and they released it as a as a published game. So there's something they have used themselves for a long time. And and this is why he was telling me that that there's more things that they want to do and stuff they've done in the past that they haven't released yet and whatnot. So I know there's interest in more. You know, one other thing about the cost that isn't necessarily obvious is that there is a lot of software development that goes into that app. It is a pretty nice app. It does work well, even with the things I mentioned that are lacking. You know, it's a fair bit of content. So that that has a cost in it. Granted, I mean, it's a one-time cost, for, but a cost of the development that they have to recoup. So, I mean, I guess that's I part hear of you, but an app like... Like you can get, you can play a full on like their virtual RPG games for like ten dollars on the App Store that you could play. Like, mm-hmm. how how much of that hundred and sixty five dollars goes towards buying an app? I I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Well, those ten dollar apps in the games are going to get more downloads than people bought this probably. So, I mean, there's there is that cost. I I don't know what. <laughs> What? How much of that factors into it? But I'm sure it's it's not insubstantial. You can buy more figures, right? They do sell figures you could buy from the website, like a box of just plastic figures, like another 75 different ones. So you could add them. Um, I believe I believe they're all player characters. So you can make your own. When you make your own custom character, you could choose from all the different acrylic figures you add yeah. and whatnot. And there's other add-ons you could get from the website, but none of it felt necessary. Other than I think there is a book of spells that does add more spells and stuff like that, but it, it isn't necessary. It would just be more, more if you did have it. So yeah, I mean that, that <laughs> that's Paracle. It's it's a it's a neat game. Really like it. Kind of expensive. Expensive. I don't want you know I, I hate I hate dwelling and going and ending on that, but like I said, I'm cheap and that does shock me personally. But again, I've I've had a lot of fun playing it with my son. So and I, I look forward to to continuing the campaign and, and figuring it out and seeing how it ends. All right. Well, I think we've uh, just about finished with Paracle. All right. No snappy Not, nothings. No, nothing's um, coming to mind for Paracle. Yeah. We're done, yeah. <laughs> oh, Paracle. I don't know what Paracle stands for. It sounds like Pericles. Um, the place is an, is a sort of like the Mediterranean. There's a bunch of lands that border a sea, and there's islands in the middle. I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> au revoir. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Not this time. (laughs) Goodbye, all. Goodbye. Bye.
Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus, can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-alike license. Thanks for listening.